Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Cancer Informant. I'm Dr. Tony Malioko, the Cancer Informant. Cancer Informant is a podcast that's dedicated to cancer patients. I try to discuss topics that are of interest and are timely um, to, to help cancer patients understand their condition and opportunities for better diagnosis and treatment. Today's episode will be focused on something called the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. The San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium has been held every year for many years. I think it's into its 35th year or 40th year by now. And it's an annual event where basically cancer researchers and doctors from around the world come to San Antonio to share updates in knowledge and research and in clinical trials. One of the more important um, events of San Antonio is on the Saturday morning where there's an annual year in review of, of breast cancer. I particularly like to attend this event as it, it highlights some of the key progress that's been made over the past year. Now, some of the key events that have happened in breast cancer treatment over the past year have focused on HER2. 2022 was a really important year with the completion of a key clinical trial where a new type of drug was being utilized to treat women with metastatic breast cancer that had HER2 both overexpression but also low levels of expression as well. So when HER2 was first identified as a breast cancer biomarker, it was discovered that women that had very high levels of expression or amplification were considered HER2 positive. This is only a subset of women with breast cancer, but it was determined that those women would respond extremely well to targeted HER2 therapy, anti-HER2 therapy, initially with trastuzumab and more recently with other targeting anti-HER2 agents. More recently, a new class of anti-HER2 agent has been created. This is the conjugate, where an anti-HER2 antibody is loaded with a cytotoxic drug, a drug that poisons the DNA inside the breast cancer cells that have HER2 on the surface. This new type of drug is called an antibody conjugate. And the one that has received testing is one that's a combination of anti-HER2 atrastuzumab that's been combined with a topoisomerase 1 inhibitor, deruxetecan. The combination of this drug delivers a very toxic mix of the topoisomerase 1 inhibitor to the cancer cells. And the drug then actually leaks and poisons the other cancer cells around it so that the uh, effect of the drug is really magnified, but also that it's confined to the breast cancer cells, limiting off-target toxicity. The results of the initial trial have shown remarkable response in women who have HER2 low and HER2 overexpression to this new conjugate drug. The drug is called InHER2 and has really been a remarkable advance this year. 
Part of the reason for the advance is that now many, many more women who have metastatic uh, breast cancer are eligible for it. So not only the 15% of women who have the HER2 amplification, but also women who have HER2 low, which may be as many as 50% of breast cancer women may also benefit from treatment with this drug. What's also exciting is that um, the use of this drug is now being moved up. So it's not just women with metastatic disease that the drug may have effect on, but now also women with earlier stages of breast cancer that have HER2 overexpression or even HER2 low might also benefit from use of this potent new therapy. Another area where work has been progressing is the addition of novel inhibitors of estrogen receptor. So uh, pharmacies or pharmaceutical companies have been busy creating new types of anti-estrogen receptor therapeutics. This is now opening up treatments for opportunity for women who have estrogen receptor-driven um, tumors that are failing certain lines of therapy that there are now new anti-estrogen receptors available for them to utilize. So this is also an important development. Another area where there's a lot of work is in the area of um, CDK4-6 inhibitors. That it appears utilizing a CDK4-6 inhibitor with um, estrogen receptor inhibitors is producing improved outcomes. A lot of work is now looking at, are there ways to overcome resistance to this combinations? So this is another area of, of excitement in terms of the treatment communities. Can we really identify more women who will benefit from a combination of anti-estrogen receptor plus a CDK4 inhibitor, uh, and also looking at ways to overcome this pattern of resistance? If we turn to triple negative breast cancer, this is an area that's really lagged over the years, but there are several important advances now being made. Triple negative breast cancer disproportionately affects younger women. It's also more likely to occur in women who are from uh, ethnic subgroups. For example, African-Americans are more likely to develop triple negative breast cancer. Triple negative breast cancer have also been problematic. They tend to recur early and may be more aggressive. Now, as we learn more about triple negative breast cancer, there are several new advances have been made. First, there's a new drug that's been targeting uh, triple negative breast cancer, TROP2 inhibitor. And this drug, which is again an antibody-dependent conjugate, is showing really remarkable advances in women with triple negative, uh, where all of them are, are eligible for treatment. You don't actually have to measure the TROP2 antigen to receive this drug. There's also use of this uh, TROP2, anti-TROP2 drug in other tumors as well. It may have effect in ovarian tumors and pancreatic and other tumors as well, which is quite exciting. Now, if we also consider triple negative breast cancer, there are advances in um, HER2. We talked about HER2 low breast cancer. Now in triple negative breast cancer, actually a component of them are HER2 low as well. So these groups of women with triple negative breast cancer that are HER2 low would also qualify uh, for treatment with the anti 
HER2 antibody-dependent conjugate that includes the uh, top isomerase inhibitor plus the anti-HER2 um, antibody. So this also opens up more treatment for, for those women with the um, uh, triple negative breast cancer. Another advance in triple negative breast cancer is the use of immune therapies. There's now efficacy of anti-PD-L1 and PD-1 inhibitors in women with breast cancer. So this is an area that's been opening up, particularly in triple negative breast cancers. There's also a possibility that these immune therapies could also be potentially used in other types of breast cancer as well. So this is an area where there's extensive study underway of how to improve immune therapy in, in women with not only triple negative breast cancers, but other breast cancers as well. So this is, this is an exciting advance. Immune therapies are of particular interest, I think, because often they produce a durable response which means that um, the response can really be long-lived. If there is a response to an immune checkpoint inhibitor, it can have very long duration, which is um, obviously of great benefit to a patient. Another area of interest in, in breast cancer where advances are being made are PARP inhibitors. Now, PARP inhibitors have shown efficacy in women who have breast cancers that have homologous recombination deficiency. Now, what is homologous recombination deficiency, you might ask? It's um, an interesting category of genetic instability that's often observed in association with inherited deficiency of repair function, particularly in BRCA1 and BRCA2. BRCA1 and BRCA2 are genes that are inherited from your parents. And if they are defective, they were found to be responsible for familial breast cancer and ovarian cancer syndromes. The measurement of hereditary genes has become more important in, in recent years. Now, originally, it was thought there were only a handful of genes that are associated with risk of breast cancer, but now it's known there could be many genes. The homologous recombination repair pathway is a special type of DNA repair system that is affected by mutations in BRCA1 and BRCA2. Scientific evaluation of this pathway has now shown that there are actually many, many other genes that work along with BRCA1 and BRCA2 to make an effective pathway. Now, the implications of this are that if a patient who appears to be from a family who has inherited breast cancer has a genetic analysis that only has a handful of genes, it may come up empty. They may find that there doesn't appear to be an alteration in, in the key genes. However, the reason for this might be that the complete set of genes were not actually evaluated. And as I said, there are now over 50 genes that may be playing a role in an inherited cancer syndrome. There are now genetic tests that look at every human gene. These are called whole exome sequencing, where 22,000 genes are investigated. And these larger panels, I think, are indicated in women who there is a strong suspicion of an inherited syndrome. It's important to make sure 
that one does identify a inherited syndrome because that does open up the opportunities for treatment with a PARP inhibitor, but also it can help plan what additional screening tests should be considered. For example, should a woman have more frequent mammography or should she consider having um, mastectomies, bilateral mastectomies for prophylaxis of future development of uh, breast cancer in the remaining breast tissue that might be present. Also, this has implications for ovarian surveillance. And in fact, BRCA inheritance may be related to other cancers, such as colon cancer, brain cancer, pancreatic cancer, etc. Also, an area where a lot of advances have been happening is in the area of liquid biopsy. Liquid biopsy has applications in both screening in terms of monitoring and in treatment selection. As I spoke earlier, screening is an area where a lot of opportunity exists. We don't yet have good screening tests. There are some improvements. For example, the GRAIL test is now on the market that may be able to help detect earlier breast cancers. And there are other companies quickly working to create other types of blood tests that might be based on looking at immune function, at lipids in the blood, or at proteomics to help detect breast cancers at an early stage. I think we're going to hear more about this in the next uh, few years. It's, it's certainly an area where a lot of experimentation is happening, but there is not yet a clearly good breast cancer detection test available. The other areas is liquid biopsy to monitor women following initial treatment. This can be very powerful. So once initial surgery is completed, there's always a question, is there any residual cancer in a patient? This can be really difficult to tell. Imaging studies may be negative, and yet there could be cancer hiding. Using liquid biopsy, we might be able to uncover areas of hiding breast cancer or dormant breast cancer using circulating tumor cells, cell-free DNA, methylation markers, or immune um, response factors to help us identify if there is actually any residual cancer in a patient. This can be useful to determine if adjuvant treatment is needed and what type of adjuvant therapy might be most useful. When women have recurrent breast cancer, this is where I think liquid biopsy can really shine, that it's it can become dangerous or challenging to biopsy a woman with recurrent breast cancer as the recurrence might be in a difficult to reach location, perhaps in a bone in the spine or in the brain or in lung or liver, a liquid biopsy can really help us determine is the recurrence actually a breast cancer? Has it changed? And uh, how could we better optimize treatment? And is the treatment working? So utilizing a combination of circulating tumor cells and cell-free DNA, we can determine is the recurrent cancer expressing key markers like HER2 or estrogen receptor? Is the recurrent cancer have actionable targets such as HER2 amplification or PIK3CA or tumor mutational burden? Or do these recurrent cancer cells have evidence of homologous recombination uh, repair deficiency? If we find this, we can then actually use serial liquid biopsies to determine if a patient is responding to therapy once a therapy has been initiated. So liquid biopsy will become more and more important for women with recurrent breast cancer and metastatic breast cancer 
to monitor the types of recurrences, what targets they have, and whether or not they're responding to therapy. So this is an area of, of fertile uh, investigation going forward. Another area I found particularly interesting is microbiome. And um, I was taught that, that tumors are generally sterile, but recent investigations have shown that cancer cells may actually carry bacteria and fungi inside of them, and that these may be drivers of tumor behavior and could actually become therapeutic targets. So this is an area of interesting investigation. What role do microbes have in both the initiation and driving of cancers? Finally, an area that is of top concern for cancer researchers and clinicians that have been identified over the past year is disparities. We, we know that patients are not getting optimal cancer treatments. And often this is because of disparities of various types. There may be disparities of race in that some racial groups are not or, or have different risk factors of getting cancer. Screening tests may not work on them. They may actually not have access to appropriate treatments. They may not have opportunities to enroll onto clinical trials, or they may have comorbidities that are contributing to worsened outcome. I think that um, really trying to close the gap in disparities is an important endeavor for the future of cancer care. This will require careful consideration of how we create screening programs and prevention programs also education about how can we modify cancer risk. There are several modifiable risk factors that can contribute to cancer risk, and often these are related to things like metabolic syndrome. So we have discovered that things such as poor diet and development of diabetes, use of, for example, things such as tobacco and alcohol can all contribute to dramatically increased risk of development of cancer of various types. With proper education and modification, we can probably dramatically decrease the incidence of, of cancer development and particularly breast cancer development. Also improving our screening strategy and development of new screening approaches may also lead to earlier detection of breast cancer when it is at a more treatable um, stage and, and condition. Further, the ability to deploy precision medicine and proper molecular testing of tumors will open up new standard therapeutics for women with breast cancer. For example, the use of PIK3CA inhibitors, CDK4 inhibitors, immune therapy and, and PARP inhibitors are all important advances uh, that are now available to women, but only if they have the correct testing done. So it's imperative that we improve the testing algorithms and make testing available to, to all women, particularly those that are suffering disparities as a consequence. So all in all, 2023 was really a remarkable year for, for breast cancer advances. And it was really an, uh, an exciting opportunity to hear many of these being presented at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Conference uh, this year. So that concludes this edition of The Cancer Informant. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit our website to listen to other episodes. 
There's also opportunities to leave questions, which I can respond to, and to leave comments about the podcast and about the topics that we're covering. I look forward to you joining us in future episodes. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.